Ben Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Welcome to the weekly top three, the top three things on our mind here at Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets for the week of January 18th, 2021. The weekly top three is a regular segment on The Michael Duke Show. The show broadcasts on Facebook Live and via streaming audio from the show's website weekdays from 6 to 8 a.m. I join Michael weekly in the first hour of Tuesday's show from 6.25 to 7 a.m. for a discussion between the two of us about our three issues. We post the podcast of our discussion following the show on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify pages, also on the new Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets website, as well as the projects page on national blog site, medium.com. You can find past episodes of the weekly top three also at the same locations. Keep in mind that in addition to these podcasts, during the week, you also can follow and participate in the discussion with us of these and other issues affecting Alaska's fiscal and economic condition by following us on the Alaska for Sustainable Budgets Facebook page and through our posts on Twitter. This week, our top three issues are these. First, the myopia in a recent ADN editorial is adding to the state's fiscal problem, not the solution. Second, Representative Prax's and others' approach to the state's fiscal problem is only leading to deeper PFD cuts. And third, a piece by the Manhattan Institute's Brian Riddle goes to the heart of what is creating the nation's deep partisan divide. And now, let's join Michael. Well, let's dive down into the weekly top three this week, uh, Brad. First and foremost, uh, you've got a little bit of heartburn with this latest uh, uh, editorial that came out from the ADN editorial board talking about the PFD. You called it, in fact, I think you called it myopic. Uh, let's talk uh, for a bit about that. What's uh, what's the deal? So it was an editorial that ran over the weekend. Uh, the headline is what to watch for as the legislative session begins. And by the way, beginning with today's show, I've started posting the articles that we're going to be talking about on the show on the Common Sense Corps page as well as as well as uh, as my pages. So if people ah. want to go back and read these articles uh, afterwards, uh, they're posted out there. But this is this is an editorial. The the headline is "What to Watch For as the Legislative Session Begins," and they list three things: caucus formation uh, and and which Dunleavy will show up, which is a good question. Uh, but the third one they list is the multi-billion-dollar question. Um, and then they spend the entire time uh, talking about the PFD. Will the PFD be cut? Will it be, con- will it be converted to government? Uh, will, it be, uh, uh, will it be a big PFD, a small PFD? Uh, and, they, and they, you know, if you think I get sarcastic about things, uh, they get a little bit overboard sarcastic about people who, uh, uh, who uh, support uh, big PFDs in this, in this piece. What, what bothers me and, and where I think we've gone wrong in the past and where I think we're going to go wrong even worse in the future if we keep going down this road is, is, they're, is they're asking the wrong question. They're focusing the entire revenue question on the PFD and, say, and, and really are, the, the question really is, should the PFD be big? Should it be small? Should we convert it to government? Should it, uh, should it, should it be used this way or that way? To me, that's become the wrong question. The question is, how are we going to fund government? PFD cuts is one way to do it. PFD taxes, essentially, 
is one way to do it. But there are a myriad of, of other ways to do it. And, and by focusing on the PFD, you get everybody all stirred up about, about whether the PFD ought to be big or not, when the real question is, is should we be raising revenue? And if we should, what's the best way to raise revenue? We know from, 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 from the 2016 ICER study, we know that using PFD cuts to raise revenue has the largest adverse impact on the overall economy and is by far uh, the, the least equitable in terms of its impact on, on middle and lower income Alaska families. It takes the most from them, takes a trivial amount from the top 20%, takes nothing from non-residents uh, in contributing toward the cost of government. Yet the, yet the ADN editorial, you know, focusing on these three issues, makes, PF, makes the, the PFD the sole revenue issue, focuses on it as the sole way uh, to raise revenues. And I think that's I, I think that's just that's just asking the wrong question, and it's being excessively myopic, uh, f- focused on on just the PFD uh, as the option. It yeah. is the way that the top twenty percent want us to think about the issue, right? Because using using PFD cuts is, benefits them hugely, but but it's but it is the wrong way to really think about the issue in terms of trying to find a solution that has a low impact on the overall Alaska economy and on Alaska families. Well, Brad, I mean, I I hate to accuse you of being naive because I don't think you're that, but I mean, it does sound a little naive when, if you're not at least admitting that the possibility is, is they're trying to frame the argument. See, they don't want to talk about all this. If they treat it like this and they talk about it like this and they talk about the PFD with disdain and everything else, then they can frame the whole argument that this is really the only option on the table. And you could see that attitude in this piece. The the, the sentence that leaped out to me uh, in this portion of it that talks about the multi-billion dollar question is the sentence that says, over the course of several decades, Alaska's grand experiment of the PFD has morphed into a form of universal basic income, a far cry from its original intent. And I'm just like, wait a second, it didn't morph. The statute remains the same. Everything else remains the same. What has morphed is politicians' attitude towards it, where they see it as a piggy bank and they see it as government money instead of the people's money, which was the original intent of it. No, I'm, I, 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 if if I were arguing that. Um, uh, that the PFD. Well, anyway, I yeah maybe 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 it is a little naivete. I, I mean we've talked in the past about about the ADN having having a, a slant, and I think what I'm trying to say is the ADN is continuing down this road of having a slant by trying to frame the issue totally around uh, the PFD. And yes, that's the yes that's the way that the the ADN and some of their writers, Charles Wolfworth and others, have have uh, have have done it in the past. Um, that is the top 20% way of trying to uh, describe the issue. But what I'm saying is the wrong way. It's the wrong way to deal with the issue. The issue is how are we going to pay for government? The questions ought to be what has what approach has the lowest overall impact on the Alaska economy? What approach is the fairest to Alaska families? That ought to be the question that we're trying to answer as we, as we deal with as we deal with revenue. And yes, the ADN is trying to slide the question is trying to phrase the question entirely differently, try to focus entirely differently uh, uh, to uh, to slant the debate. But 
All I'm saying is they're slanting it. They're, 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 they are slanting it, and right. they're slanting it in the wrong direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, ignoring, uh, I mean, we keep going back. We sound like a broken record, keep going back to this ICER commentary. But the bottom line is, is that it still holds true. You want to affect the Alaska economy more than anything else? You want to affect the lowest income earners of the Alaska economy the most uh, on top of all that? Then, you know, go ahead and take the PFD. But they completely ignore that component of it. Uh, but like you said, the top 20% are all okay with that because, uh, you know, it doesn't really affect me. I mean, am I going to lose sleep over the price of a cheeseburger, uh, you know, versus, uh, you know, somebody who's in the lower income bracket where it's the size of a price of a car or something? I mean, it's it's a significant change. Yeah, exactly right. And and, and the ADN just keeps – I mean, the ADN and other news media, it's not just the ADN, but this this editorial really brought it home. The ADN just wants to keep, keep the focus on the – uh, on the PFD, and I think that has—I mean, th- that's prolonging this debate. If we were having a debate about what the right way to raise revenue was, then the top—and and we were talking about broad-based, uh, broad-based approaches—you would, you would—and we—we've talked about this before on the show, but you would find Natasha and others talking about, oh, we need to cut the cost of government because they don't want to contribute to the revenue side. As long as the debate is focused entirely on cutting the PFD which doesn't affect them at all, as long as the debate's focused on tire- entirely on cutting the PFD, they don't care about it. They don't care about spending levels because it's not affecting them. So this, this, this myopia, this, this focus entirely on the PFD, whether, it's, whether it's, it's intended to slant, whether it's just they, they can't get their minds any, around anything more broad, it's just it, it, is, it is leading this debate, constantly leading this debate down the wrong road. It's pitting... It's pitting Lower and mid, middle and lower income Alaska families against upper uh, uh, against top twenty percent Alaska families, instead of pitting all of us against government spending levels, uh, it's 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 dividing us in a way that I don't think ever leads to reducing the cost of government and a focus on reducing the cost of government because you've got you've got a significant share of the top twenty percent who don't care about about the cost of government because they're insulated from from having to pay for it so. It, the the ADN just keeps going down this same road of focusing on the on the PFD, and I think it's misleading the debate. I think it's misleading uh, 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 the discussion, uh, and 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 doing a disservice to the state. So uh, we look at this. We could see it's myopic. We could see how they're framing the debate. We could see that they're uh, again entrenched in this idea that the PFD really is the only option, which of course precludes a discussion of new revenues. It also precludes any discussion of reducing the size and scope of government, which seems quite honestly, I mean, we're still going to keep fighting for it on the program here, but it seems like it's a lost cause. And of course, all the people in the chat room are like, cut government, cut government, cut government. We can echo chamber ourselves to death in here, but nobody else seems to be really talking about that. A few of the newer uh, legislative uh, uh, representatives are mentioning it and talking about it a little bit, but there is no political will to cut any further. In fact, all we hear about is, well, we just can't cut any. We've cut it to the bone. I'm not saying that we should stop talking about cutting, but we got to stop looking at cuts as the only solution because nobody else is talking about it. And part of the reason for that, Michael, is we're not talking about revenues which would impact the top 20%. As long as they're able to steer the discussion in, in the direction of using PFD cuts, which affect only middle and lower income Alaska families, as long as they're able to steer the discussion in that direction, they're indifferent uh, to, to spending cuts. Natasha's indifferent. Heck, 
80% of the legislature uh, is, is in the top 20%. 80% indifferent personally to, 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 to the impact of, of, of spending because they don't, they don't pay a significant, uh, significant share of it in terms of, in terms of PFD cuts. So it, as, long as, the, as long as the discussion is steered in that fashion, you're not going to find the top 20% right. talking about talking about spending cuts. Exactly. I mean, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I'm going to beat on it a little bit here. Uh, you know, the, again, people keep saying, well, if we just, we just need to reduce, we just need to reduce. I agree. I mean, I, Brad agrees. The problem is if we're only talking about it amongst ourselves and yet none of the movers and shakers and the powers that be want to even address it, we're going to have to start thinking about maybe taking a different tact in this war, right? I mean, this is about tactics. We're going to have to start taking a different tact in this war. If all they want to talk about is taking the PFD and utilizing that as new revenue, maybe we need to offer an alternative new revenue. And then again, once they start paying their fair share of it or their kick on it and they start feeling the pinch, then maybe cuts will be back on the table. Brad? Oh, exactly right, Michael. I mean, exactly right. The the The, the cuts only... The, the 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 last stand of cuts only was in Governor Dunleavy's first budget, uh, when he did make uh, proposed deep cuts. We saw the pushback uh, that that got. We saw the fact that he couldn't get that through the legislature. He couldn't get 16 in the legislature to back him up on those deep cuts. He, the, we ended up he ended up we ended up with with watered down cuts that ultimately sort of got watered to the point that we ended up with a, a slightly uh, higher amount. Of spending as a result, we saw the uh, the recall petition start and how that's affected the governor. That was, I mean, that was the that was the the run up the hill, you know, uh, uh, banners flying, uh, cuts only. We're gonna we're gonna take the hill with cuts only. That was that was the the ultimate charge, um, and it got repelled. And the governor has has done two budgets since last year and this year's, and neither has has replicated. Uh, the cuts only approach, um, and and neither has has tried to, you know, tried to, frankly, even even materially reduce spending. Um, uh, we see the governor's ten-year plan this year. Uh, it's got you know billion-plus dollar deficits as far as the eye can see. Some uh, cuts in there, and the pushback has already started against even those cuts. Uh, but we're not we're not going to see cuts. And and the and here's. You know, we've talked about it before on the program, but it, it bears repeating. Here's what's going on. There's an unholy alliance between the top 20% and those who want to maintain government spending. The deal is this. The deal is the top, the, the, the top 20% has agreed that they won't go after government spending as long as those who want to continue government spending don't go after uh, the top 20% income, as long as they continue to use uh, PFD cuts, which – which don't land on the top 20%. And that unholy alliance is what is what, you know, re- rebutted uh, Governor Dunleavy's efforts 2 years ago is what has caused uh, uh, the governor not to not to undertake uh, cuts again. If you get it, if you do a, a, a revenue structure that takes money from the top 20% on the same basis you're, as you're taking money taking money from middle and lower income Alaska families, if you engage them in the battle, you bring you bring to bear the top twenty percent, the donor class, the class that that a lot of the legislature legislators come from. You bring that into the battle with you. You bring that you bring that segment onto the field. They start pushing back 
against spending because they're going to have to pay uh, a share of it as long as as long as they're able to use this revenue mechanism that pushes it to middle and lower income Alaska families they aren't going to fight back on spending spending is going to continue and we're going to continue to have deep PFD cuts so it's you're 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 exactly right Michael we need to change the course of the of the of the battle to engage all Alaskans in pushing back uh, on spending not just the bottom 80 percent that are having to having to bear the cost and burden of it now uh kevin asked to talk about the multiplier effect of private money versus government money in the economy which i just touched on when i was talking about you know the money being drawn out of the economy and icer report has touched on it i got about a minute here brad if you want to give us your quick thoughts on the private private money versus government money in the economy well the icer study in 2016 touched on that as well and found that the multiplier on on PFD cuts, the the the, the negative multiplier, if you will, uh, was greater than any other any other uh, uh, revenue option. Uh, and so it found that you hurt the economy most uh, by uh, by PFD cuts. Anthony says the PFD even being loosely compared to universal basic income or a handout is the byproduct of an out of control spending of the government and the basic cost of living being so bloated that unless you work for the government, it's nearly impossible to live here. Getting rid of the PFD, giving it to the government, whatever, the net result is still that the upper 15% of the well-off people won't lose a blink of sleep, but Joe Beercan won't be able to afford to live here. I, I mean, I think that kind of encapsulates our whole argument in a nutshell. Thank you, Anthony, for that comment. Well, let's move on to number two, and we'll get a quick uh, tease of it here before we uh, take a break. Uh, there's another piece in the uh, Fairbanks Daily News Miner, which I posted up in the chat room, talking about how that the finances of the state are going to be the top legislative issue, which to which I say, duh, uh, because we got a $2.4 billion deficit. Uh, and there's a bunch of different local interior legislators that are quoted in here, but you seem to be picking out Mike Prax as one that probably has it wrong. Uh, and I think that our just our previous discussion right this second here kind of leads into that. Quickly, give us a snapshot here. It does. Uh, they they quote a bunch of different le- a bunch the, the the interior delegation, the ones who are willing to talk uh, about uh, about the issue. Uh, Kawasaki and Thompson weren't willing to talk, so there's no quotes from them. But uh, Representative Pro- Prax, who I think does a uh, does an excellent job. Uh, is uh, is quoted uh, in in one of the segments, and and the quote is: If you're thinking about new revenue, you are thinking about taking from some and giving to others. And I think I think that's wrong. I think that's wrong. If you what we're when we're talking about new revenue, when we're talking about any revenue, we're talking about paying for the costs of government. Now, government does a lot of things that benefit a lot of people. I mean, roads benefit a lot of people. Uh, police uh, benefit. Uh, a lot of people, um, uh, health and social services benefit a lot of people, education benefit a lot of people. We're talking about paying for the cost of government. We're not talking about, we're not talking about wealth transfers, all, all revenues being wealth transfers. We're talking about paying for the cost of government. And when you phrase it the way that Mike does, when you phrase it as if you're, if you're talking about any new revenue, you're talking about taking from some and giving to others, I think you foreclose really thinking through how how this issue ought to play out and that's what that's what we'll talk about in our second segment well and maybe they haven't thought it out far enough because if you're thinking about new revenue you're thinking about taking for some and giving to others sounds exactly like what's been happening with the pfd i mean quite honestly i mean you're thinking about taking it from some 
the lowest income earners and giving it to others. I mean, I think that pretty much sums up exactly what we've been talking about. We're continuing now on the weekly top two or top three. We're on to two of the top three. We're talking about a local article from the uh, News Fairbanks Daily News Miner where they got a chance to interview a bunch of the interior delegation to talk about finances and the PFD and new revenues and everything else. And uh, Mike Prox is quoted as saying in there, if you're thinking about new revenue, you're thinking about taking from some and giving to others. He's speaking in opposition to any new revenue, any new taxes, while ignoring the fact, I think, that the current cut of the PFD is a tax, a tax, in fact, on the lower you know, 80 percentile, heavily on the lower 50 percentile of the state of Alaska. Brad's going to continue to flesh out his thoughts. Brad? Well, I, here's, here's the deal. As long as we oppose any new revenue, any new revenue, we're going to continue to have PFD cuts. I mean, as we just spent the, the first segment talking about, um, as, as, as long as the top 20% don't have to pay for the cost of government, they're going to be Im, 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 implicitly agreeing with those who, who, uh, who want to continue, who want to continue uh, spending as it is. So as long as we're saying, nope, no new revenue, um, uh, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about new revenue. We're not going to, we're not going to even, uh, uh, t- take on the issue of, uh, of, of revenue sources. We just want, you know, we, we're going to keep charging up this spending cuts only hill, uh, and, and holding our breath and saying, we won't talk about new revenue as long as, as long as we're doing that PFD cuts will continue because spending will continue. We don't have, we don't have 21 in the legislature, 21 and 11 in the legislature, who are going to push back on spending as long as uh, as long as we don't uh, engage the other the top 20 percent we're going to continue to have spending as long as we continue to have spending we're going to continue to have deficits as long as we continue to have deficits we're going to continue to have pfd cuts if we don't have if we don't have another revenue source so going down this road of saying nope not going to talk about new revenue only going to think about it is as wealth transfers or, or bad things uh, not going to talk about it going to hold my breath uh, as long as we're doing that, we're going to keep on going down the same road. I can I can absolutely tell you if we're still talking about this in 2025, Michael, we will still be railing against PFD cuts because that is the way uh, that uh, that the legislature is going to keep closing this. And as we found out, the legis- the legislature can do it alone by just cutting the PFD appropriation. The governor governor can't override that, and they'll just keep doing it year after year after year. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the direction we're going. That's the direction we've been going the last five years. That's the direction we'll keep going over over the next five years. I, what? I, it, maybe it's too much to ask Mike to do this. Maybe it's too much to ask others to do this. But if you start talking about revenue separate apart from the PFD, just skip the PFD. We've got a deficit. We need to close it. We need to close it with revenue. We need to close it with equitable revenue, and we need to close it with uh, revenue that has the lowest impact on the overall economy. That means a broad ba- that will translate into a broad-based revenue source. That will mean the top 20% are going to contribute to the cost of government. Non-residents are going to contribute to the cost of government. And all of a sudden, we will find people talking about, oh, my gosh, we're spending too much on this. We're spending too much on that. We will engage the class. We will engage the top 20%. We will engage legislators who otherwise are – are, are, are immune from the effects of this because of their because of their wealth and income. We will engage people in in, in bringing spending under control, and I, and that's I that's why I have trouble with when I see this stuff from Mike and others about we're just not going to talk about new revenue. I mean I know where that goes. We've seen where it goes for the last five years. It goes to PFD cuts. 
And that's where it's going to continue to go. So if you want, if, if you're satisfied with PFD cuts, if you think that's an okay way to raise revenue, then fold your arms and say you're not going to talk about new revenue sources because that's exactly what's going to happen. We're going to continue to have PFD cuts. But if you really want to get this state under control, if you really want to get um, uh, uh, revenues that are uh, uh, fair and equitable and, and have the least adverse impact on the overall economy, then you need to talk about a broader scale of revenues. You need to unfold your arms, uh, open your mind, and talk about a, a broader set of revenues. I mean, I understand why Mike's doing it. I understand why people fold their arms and say, no, we're not going to talk about, about new revenues. But I'm telling you, we've seen for the last five years where that goes, and that goes to continued PFD cuts, and that's not going to change over the next five years or the next 10 years, as long as we continue to close our minds to uh, alternatives. Now, Mike or Anthony brings up another interesting point, which I want you to take on real quick before we move on to number three. And he says, all I'm saying is this giving more money to the state government is like handing your savings to a stock manager you know is a gambling addict. We don't get to complain when he burns our funds on online poker when we knew full and well he wasn't trustworthy. The only argument that I would offer in that, and Brad could comment on it, is that I would agree giving them more revenue is is a, is not necessarily a good thing. I mean, I don't necessarily trust them. But if the revenue stream also comes from that top 20%, they will be more fully engaged and be more likely to be looking to reduce the size and scope of government. Maybe that, that spending uh, argument can then be on the table. Yeah, exactly right. But but the other thing to keep in mind is the legislature already has revenue. I mean, we, we keep talking about giving them more revenue. They already have revenue. They have the full PFD. I mean, they can, they can convert the entire thing to government spending. It's not like it's not like we can prevent them from having revenue. The way the PFD is set up, they always have access to it. The way the Supreme Court is held in 2017, they always have access to it. So it's not it's not like we can starve them by by saying no revenue. They've already got the PFD. The question is, what's the right revenue source? What revenue source is has the lowest adverse impact on the overall economy? What's the fairest to Alaskans? And what's the most likely to engage the top 20% in pushing back on spending? They're not doing it now, and we need to find a way to engage them to push, to push back on it. Absolutely. And again, uh, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of it in the chat room of, well, Brad just wants to talk about taxes. Brad just, you know, it, we, we don't need to do that. We just need to revenues and spending and spending and cuts. And, and again, we're not against cuts. You're not against cuts. I'm not against cuts. Uh, I'm a little more uh, I'm a little more cautious about trying to give the state more money at this time than you are. But the bottom line is your argument still is persuasive to say the only way that these people are going to care about cuts, uh, excuse me, uh, it, it, yeah, care about cuts is when they have to pay part of the bill. When somebody else is paying part of the bill, it's not an important deal. I mean, if I you know if I'm making a, a five hundred thousand bucks a year and that $2,000 dividend really doesn't mean anything to me, then I don't really care if the government's taking it and spending it because it's really not bugging me that much. If somebody's making $20,000 a year and loses that $2,000, it really, truly affects them. Now, if everybody was paying that 10% of their income and all of a sudden they had to write a $50,000 check from their $500,000 income, all of a sudden they might be a little more interested in the direction the government's taking. Yeah, and Michael, one 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 point. Uh, I'm not talking about more money. I, I've never talked about more money. I'm talking about substitute, alternative, better ways. If we've got to raise revenue, 
better ways to raise revenue. I'm not suggesting that we layer on another, you know, $500 million or whatever, whatever the amount is uh, on top of government and let them spend that. I'm talking about restoring $500 million of PFD cuts um, and, and substituting $500 million of, of alternative revenue sources. People say, well, you know, the government will just take that $500 million and add it to the $500 million they've already got, and they'll spend that. Okay, fine. There's a way to handle that, and the way to handle that is to combine Bill Wilikowski's uh, proposed constitutional amendment, SJR1, uh, with Jonathan Christ Tompkins, HJR1, uh, which, uh, which sets a limit on, uh, on permanent fund draws. Combine those two together, make it a constitutional amendment, and insist on that as any part of revenue package, as any part of a revenue package. Combine that with Adam, Will, Adam Will's uh, HB37, for example, and insist on that as a package. That way you lock in, you lock in the fact that we have a PFD, it's not going to be cut by government anymore, but we still have a deficit, and here's the way, to, here's the way we're going we're gonna to handle the deficit. That will take away you know, the argument that, uh, that you're just trying to give the government more money. This isn't about more money. This is about finding better ways, lower impact, more equitable uh, ways to raise the revenue the government's otherwise going to be raising through PFD cuts. It's a way of treating all Alaska families equitably as opposed to forcing the obligation primarily on middle and lower income Alaska families. And I think that's the that's the important part. But again, you say that you're not about new revenues for the state, but again, or, or more revenues, I guess I should say. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that that's how people see it and that's how they feel these politicians are going to use it. I, I think that's the fear, is that if we give them more revenue... They will spend more revenue because that has been their track record heretofore. And Michael, if that's the if that's the, the analysis that we keep going down and using that as an excuse not to look at substitute revenue sources, all that's gonna do is continue PFD cuts. The deficits aren't gonna go away. They certainly aren't gonna go away as long as long as the top twenty percent don't as long as the donor class doesn't have to pay for them. The deficits aren't gonna go away. And if we continue refusing to talk about alternatives or substitute revenue sources, just folding arms and saying no, then that's fine. They're gonna continue using PFD cuts. They're gonna to continue to focus on middle and lower income Alaska families and in a way that has the largest adverse impact on Alaska families. That's the future. That's been the past five years. That's the future. So it's really, I mean, if, the, if you're fine with PFD cuts, keep, talk, keep folding your arms and saying, no, I'm not going to discuss new revenues. But if you want to find a better way to do this, a way that engages all Alaskans in bringing the cost of government down, in, in lowering spending, if you want to find a way to do that, then you need to say, okay, I'm willing to talk about substitute revenues not, not more revenues, but substitute revenues replacing this reliance uh, on, uh, on PFD cuts and doing it in a way that's more equitable. Brad Keithley, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets. All right, you've beaten everybody up, Brad. Leave us with some hope here. Give us some, give us some thoughts here before we go. We've got about a minute. I think there, I think there is hope, Michael. I, I, we talked about it last week. I just mentioned it again. I think it's a combination of HJR1, JKT's bill, uh, Willikowski's uh, uh, permanent fund dividend constitutionalization, and Adam Wool's HB 37, which is a broad-based, uh, a broad-based revenue source that engages everybody in uh, in cutting spending. I, I, there is there is a solution at the end of this tunnel, 
and it's a better solution than where we've come to the last five years and where we're headed for the next five years. But people have to open their minds to talk about substitute revenue sources to get to that better solution. As long as people are just folding their arms and saying, nope, not going to talk about it, we're not going to get there. But there is there is a, a very good solution at the, at the end of this uh, if people will just open their minds and, uh, and think about it. Brad Keithley, Alaska's for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on board. Uh, like I said, not everybody is as excited as I am about talking with you about this stuff, but I think it's—I uh, mean, I think it's supremely important. I think we have to—I think we have to delve down into these questions. Otherwise, we're just—we're uh, kidding ourselves if we think anything is going to go is is going to change at that point. Let's move on to number three. You said there's an important piece from conservative writer Brian Riddle. Uh, talking about the facts that we take on faith, uh, posting it up in the chat room. Give us your thoughts on number three here. This is the best piece I have seen uh, from any side about about the, the, the problem we've got with the partisan divide in America and the problem that we've got with, you know, into, into two warring camps uh, that we've sort of fallen into in America. Brian is a conservative. You, nobody can Nobody can challenge his conservative credentials. Uh, he is a conservative economist who is with the Manhattan Institute, a highly conservative organization. Uh, Brian, I first got to know Brian through his work on economics. He's one of the more, one of the best conservative voices uh, on e- economics out there. Brian, um, uh, this piece is in response to uh, the insurrection at the Capitol uh, uh, last week and or two weeks ago now, and 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 really was motivated by Brian taking a, a deep look. At, at what is causing uh, this split in America. And, and I think it's, I, it's a long piece, but I think it's an excellent piece. If there's one piece that I would say uh, that I would want people to read to try to understand uh, what's going on and, and ways to fix it, uh, it would be Brian's. And, this, and this, these, these couple of sentences, I think, are the heart of it. Finally, perhaps most importantly, we should rely on diverse sources of information. It is not rare for one article to read like a devastating, bulletproof argument for a certain viewpoint, only to be successfully shredded by a rebuttal article elsewhere. Only in a real competition can the best data, ideas, and arguments prevail. Read the smartest analysis from the right, center, and left, if for no other reason than to understand better those whom you oppose. Avoid echo chambers. The, 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 Brian, Brian is really trying to get at the heart of what's, uh, what's uh, dividing America and, and really trying to, to identify a path forward, uh, which, which is engage others, talk to others, listen to others, read uh, a, a variety of sources, and then make your judgments out of that. Um, a point earlier in the piece is all we're doing is, is, is basically said we're, we're, half of us are, are reciting National Review Half of us are citing a, a, a New Republic, uh, and we're just we're bouncing forth between those two. Read both, decide for yourself what's the better of the two, but read both and understand where the arguments are, and then make decisions as opposed just to being an echo chamber uh, for one side or the other. Great piece. Uh, I highly recommend that people read it. Wait, you mean that the answer to speech that you don't agree with is more speech? I mean, wait a second. That that just flies in the face of everything that we're talking about. 
I heard that on a radio show once on, right. on a morning radio. Show. I mean, you're right, exactly. I mean, wait a second. We're just supposed to we're supposed to be able to argue it and talk about it. I mean, this is the again, this is the this is the problem that we're facing today is that more people are not looking at this and saying, "Oh, okay, uh, I don't agree with that." Okay, well, tell me why. What is the argument? But instead, they go back to their little pockets of whatever, including uh, uh, you know social media, where it is an echo chamber. And they're, oh, see, these people agree with me. I must be right. I mean, people have got to have their ideas challenged. And and I think that is, I think that's what we've lost here in America, for sure. Challenged and discussed. I mean, challenged and and treated fairly, uh, as as Brian puts it, a competition of ideas. I mean, we talk about competition being good uh, in economics, we talk about competition being good in the in the marketplace. What Brian is suggesting is we have a competition of ideas uh, in the uh, in the in, in 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 you know our discussion about politics. But competition requires that you know. I mean, competition in the marketplace is you know what the prices are that everybody's offering. Competition in in in, in economics is you know what the argument is that everybody's making, and you're rebutting it. You're using facts and and argument. The, the problem is, I mean, what Brian's pointing out is the competition in, in politics is, is we're not doing competition. We're just we're locking in on one side or the other, not reading the other side, not understanding the other side, not seeking, you know, to, to the benefits of competition to find the, the best path, path forward. I think it's a great article. I mean, I think it just really goes to the heart of, uh, of what's going on here. And, uh, and as, as I say, I highly recommend it. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Brad, thank you so much for coming on board this morning. We appreciate you being part of it. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Well, that's a wrap for another week's edition of the weekly top three from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you again for joining us. Remember that you can find past episodes on our YouTube, SoundCloud, and Spotify pages, and keep track of us during the week on Facebook and Twitter. This has been Brad Keithley, Managing Director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We look forward to you joining us again next week on the Weekly Top 3.